Oh, wait a minute. I'd like to propose a toast to my family. Someday soon, you're going to have families of your own. And if you're lucky, you'll remember the little moments like this. That were good. Cheers. You're listening to Good Times with Steve Simone. We're back in the studio to do a, a new episode of Good Times, Lee. I know. Because we did, we did one with Joey a week or two ago. That was the, so fun. It was a lot of fun. That was one of my all-time favorite episodes. But it didn't feel like a normal episode because like, we, we normally do it this way where you come in. Yeah, we'll do the intro yeah. and then I bring in the interview and then we do an outro. But that was just a fun us hanging out, intro, outro, everything all in one. It was great. It's a... Uh, yeah, I know. It's just been great to be, be spend more time with you and 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 Joey and some weird times, but overall, it's, I'm I've been pretty lucky. Yes, it's felt like middle school summer so far. Like like I meet up with you, and this week's guest Jimmy Schubert will go on those walks. Me, you, and Joey will hang out, but there's that break from the normal. It's like we're not going to school; we're just no. hanging out. If like. You- I don't know if you ever felt this way, and maybe I was just the nerd. I wasn't excited to learn, but like towards the end of the summer, I'd be a little bit bored of summer. Oh no, you are a nerd. Okay. <laughs> I used to get nervous when school would start. I'd really? Be like, oh, I don't want this to start up again. Early, early, I remember feeling like that, but like middle school and high school, I remember like, all right, I've had enough nope, of this break. Never. I'd start getting upset when. The night it would start getting darker earlier, I'd be like, oh, oh yeah. man, I love the sunshine. I love not going to school. I love this lockdown. <laughs> I got to be honest yeah. with you. I haven't been on a plane since February, February since like Valentine's Day ish. I, I spent Valentine's Day with my parents and I came back the, like the week after that. And I have not been on a plane since. And I'm loving it. This is the longest I think I've gone in 20 years without being on a plane. Yeah, no, I, 18 I don't years you. probably, 19 years, longest I've gone without being on a plane. I'm built for quarantine. I'm having. I'm, honestly, it's like I'm a little bit busy right now. I'm like, I kind of wish I, I know. I have to, Here's the weird thing: I'm busy, but I'm not being productive. So it's like I have to figure some stuff out, start setting some goals. It was great. I was on the phone today with. Um, a buddy of ours from Chicago, Michael, that's a f- huge fan of the church of what's happening now. 
And his life story is just so inspirational. Like he's going to write books and he just launched oh, his own. Oh, Kern pod- Michael? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love Kern, yeah. Yes. Yes. He's in a wheelchair, but then he's ripped. Shredded. Yeah, dude. He's But he's just so cool. Oh, yeah. So he was telling me about the books he's going to write and the podcast he's launched. It's so funny. You knew right away who I was oh, talking yeah. about. Kern, Kern's a... Yeah, I go, Joey, OG. I was talking to Kern. And then he goes, oh, I love Michael. <laughs> yeah. I love him. Yeah. He was at the Chicago Theater. Yeah, he's everywhere. Everywhere. But it was just like... An, and then I was like... It was kind of like talking to David Goggins. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, oh, I have to start setting some goals and start knocking some stuff out. So CD Baby let us down with the CD, but it looks like... We're going to be able to get the codes to get it to the radio. And then let's figure out a way just to give. I have to meet. We have to take some time this week. I have my buddy Dan Cotter. He's got videos ready for me to post. I don't even know how to log into my YouTube channel. That's where I am. Uh, but I want to post some videos. And then anybody that wants the way I'm looking at this album, it's just a remix of my first stuff that I recorded for Sirius. Because I'm beyond grateful that they've been playing my stuff on there. Like, I'll get piece of fan mail every week from somebody that heard me on the radio that's wild and that makes me feel really really good i just i, I like how i like how you're like you are a nerd but then you, you're like i don't know how to log into youtube yeah <laughs> I, I don't like, know how to do you it you need anything. nerds yes <laughs> you need us sometimes uh all the time dude and you've been motivating me on our walks no thing i appreciate you got my mom walking that's pretty amazing that's with her arthritic knees oh i and, and it's and i i i, I like Obviously, I knew I needed to lose weight, but the whole you know you take it for granted because like I can walk to the store like well, if I'm at a mall or yeah. if there's like something and like focus on focus other on, than the walk. I'm okay, but then you realize you like you take breaks when you're walking in normal life, and to like to not be able to do a four three or four mile walk without taking a break is like well, I should be able to do that. Yeah, so it's uh. I'm, I know we'll get to this later, but I'm very grateful for you and Jimmy for, for taking me on those walks. Yeah, I can't wait to get to the gratitude list. I'm looking forward to it so much. So look, this episode of Good Times, I get to hang out with my buddy Jimmy Schubert, who's got a million stories. He's super cool. And the reason why he came on the podcast this week, because we go walking like five days a week together, uh, is to pr- promote his new album available on iTunes, Google Play, it's Jimmy Schubert, Zero Tolerance. It's currently at number two, I think, or maybe three on iTunes charts. Let's get that to number one for Jimmy. He deserves it. I mean, this guy's been at the comedy store since the Sam Kinison days. He's hilarious. He's super cool. He's Philadelphia's own. He's my guest this week on Good Times, my buddy, Mr. Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> And we're recording. And singing. Shuby, this is the first like r- normal podcast I've done since the lockdown. Oh, right, Uncle, right? Uncle Joey was in the studio last week. Yeah. And then Lee and I would do remote ones for a little bit. Yeah. But this is the first time I've been hanging out with a buddy in their place with my recorder the way I would normally do it. Yeah. And with face masks on. Yeah, I know. Because that's the new norm. Just because we're being careful, we're social distancing. We're on one side of my big couch, and I'm on the other side of my big couch. But 
you know, we've been walking every day. Me yep. and you have been out there doing five, six milers every day. It's been great. Getting that sunshine, bro. I'm actually starting to get a base. I looked at myself and I, <laughs> yeah. I actually looked at myself in the mirror and I'm going, I'm getting some color out there. Yeah, it looks like you've been down ashore. I was down at Jersey Shore, bro. We're getting some quarters for the shooting sheets. You're going to wild poor walk, bro. We're getting a case of Schaefer's, bro. Would you go down to the Jersey Shore when you guys were kids? Oh, dude. My grandmother, God rest her soul, would rent uh, a house in Margate every summer. For oh, Margate's weeks. beautiful. Yeah, Margate, Longport area. And um, and we would go down there for two weeks to the beach. So, so the brothers would come and go. My mom and dad would go with some of the younger ones. And if we had summer jobs, like we all did, we all worked summer jobs. Yeah. You know, when we got the weekend, we would go down and see the... But, you know, my parents found out later that my grandma would hawk her jewelry so she could rent these places for like two weeks. And my, Aww. so uh, my dad would go found all these pawn stickers. Go, go. They had to go in and back in and get get all the grandma's jewelry. She did that just so she had a her <laughs> her family with her at the beach. Yeah, exactly. And we would go down there, and it was it was great, man. It was uh, it was like a great vacation. I mean, my my, my grandma. I mean, we had she had six grandkids. She loved us so much. Yeah. In fact, when we would get the trouble. We would go right to Grandma Schubert's place because <laughs> my dad was powerless. Bob, what are you doing to these kids? <laughs> yeah. And she would yell at him, and we're like, "Yeah, we stand behind Grandma." <laughs> like it was the great neutralizer. <laughs> like Grandma, Grandma would neutralize my old man because my old man was like a Philly homicide cop. He was, he could be crazy, bro. I felt bad for him. Now I think about it, all these years later, like the guy's locking up murderers and rapists and drug dealers and con artists. And then the guy goes from that madness back to his house, and there's six little gangsters in there. Yeah, you know, just like you know, just 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 savages. I mean, I, my old man when I'm sure he probably would have rather been out fighting crime and locking up coming home. Yeah, than hanging, than coming home to because we chaos. We pour him through the ringer, but but so because you're one of six brothers, right? It's all boys. Yeah, right? it's all boys. Yeah, one of six brothers, and uh, you know, but it was great. I mean, growing up with six, you know, you have five best friends. Yeah, you know, and uh, the bond, you know, and and look, man, it was just. But I tell you what, man, I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Me neither. I grew up in a perfect time in America. I always often say this. I feel like I had one of the last great traditional childhoods before all this fucking social media and all this shit, and then just you know, buddies and riding our bikes, going to the library and grabbing our fishing poles and going down to the fish hatcheries and in the winter time, excuse me. In the wintertime, the uh, the fish hatcheries would freeze over, and we put on our ice skates to go ice skating. You know, we we I you know we could just it was different a different time, man. It just was, and so I I you know because we're in this pandemic, I find myself reflecting on all this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I, I find myself kind of doing some self reflection, just how grateful I am. For all of it. I mean, I know you do a grati a daily gratitude list. Yeah. And I've watched some of those. It got me thinking, you know, how much I have to be thankful for. And you get up in the morning and you just start with the gratitude of the things you're grateful for. Start doing my own to myself. Yeah. And from there, everything just lines up. It aligns up. It's the truth. And, you know, you just, you just, and, and, you know, people like to complain. You know, we've taken a lot of stuff for granted. So, yeah. um, but, you know, it's been kind of a hard reset button for humanity. I think people are kind of th 
not taking anything for granted anymore. The freedoms, the things you used to do. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple, there's that going on. But I also think like there's a hard power grab from some of these local politicians and stuff. I think like me, I feel like like 50% of it is like, yeah, that's serious. And then 50% of them going, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, I, I really do feel like that. So, you know, fingers crossed they'll flatten the curves on this and we get back to normal. But I hope. I hope this isn't the new normal. I really don't because I miss interacting with people. I miss, uh, you know, doing stand-up comedy. And uh, But the great news is uh, May 15th, my, my album's dropping, which is I'm very excited about. It's called Zero Tolerance. It is 57 minutes of non-stop hilarity i'm my own worst critic yeah i've listened to the album six times i get excited because it's so good it's the it's the best writing i've ever done it's some of the funniest stuff I've ever, it's, it's just a it's my favorite album and that's my fourth album but it's my favorite album of all time that's great what a what a good feeling that has to be where like you've been doing this for a long time yeah. and your best work you're just starting to tap into it now yeah, well, it's like it's like everything else, you know. You you just get better. It's like golf. That's why people golf because you get. You, it's a game that you have. You get better at. Some days you suck. Some days you get better at. But it's it's like life. It's yeah. you know you just as long as you stay at it. You know, if you do something for ten thousand hours, you know you become one of those outliers. You know, it's just there's nothing. And so and I, look, man, I love my job. I love making people laugh. Yeah, it's a and I love doing it at a high level. And I love working to the top of my intelligence, and I love putting together some some pieces of uh, comedy that that you've crafted, that you've worked on. And it's funny because I've been releasing, you know, these old videotapes, and I see, I go, oh man, like you could see the bit like forming, like it started with this idea, yes, and then it got the evolution, better, and then it got better. I always know <laughs> when when I have it, like I said, like a the nucleus of it, because I curse a lot. Yeah, because I I haven't figured out all the beats of the bit yet. So yeah, in lieu of having you know, I just I I drop a couple, maybe a couple f bombs. But once I get the bit worked out, and on this album, I think there's only four f bombs. Great, strategically placed, of course, because I'm Jimmy Schubert, hmm. and uh, so. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm super excited. I can't wait for people to hear it. That's a, where's it going to be available? It's on iTunes. And almost every other single digital platform available. It Perfect. comes out at midnight on May 15th, which is Thursday the 14th, and, and May 15th at midnight. Great. It'll drop on iTunes and everywhere. People can pre-order it. You can go to jimmyschubert.com, and right underneath it, there's a, there's a pre-order button, and you can order it. And, you know, we did – I recorded the, the CD on Friday night, and I recorded the special on Saturday night. I did it on purpose because there were, like, two different sets. Okay. There's two di – the, the CD is not – the special because there's some things I did on the CD that I didn't do. I love that. I mean, I, you know, I w I've been working on this special for like maybe a year and a half, and I knew going in Friday I'm going to record my CD, and Saturday night I'm going to come back and record this. And I've been working on it for like getting it down pat for six months and had notes and you know like when I but go to work I go to work you know yeah. you go and so uh, and what's the name of the album again? Zero Tolerance. You That's know, great. and I also have an hour special out. People can find that on jimmyshubert.com if you want to see the special. I've had people rent it and come back and buy it. I could see the algorithm oh, that's awesome. on Vimeo that they, they liked it so much that they went back and bought it so they could watch it anytime. And, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, I mean, this is the way you got to do things now because usually merch after shows, 
that's going to go bye-bye for a little while. Yeah. You know, but I have these great cards that, uh, you know, have codes on them that you, I would sell after the shows and stuff. So but they I mean, could download it. Yeah, they could download it. Well, not they could download it, but they can they could stream it on three different devices. So you could stream it on your phone, put it on your laptop. You can give one of the codes to somebody else. Oh, that's great. And on three different devices. And what would happen was the special would lock into that device, and so you could just play it anytime you want it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, we're going to get... I think we're gonna get back to work here sooner than later, Steve. I mean, what's your uh, what's your take on all this madness? I think it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um. Well, for some people, I mean, I, I mean, you know, financially and stuff. I think some people. Yeah, but that's the thing too. I think we were so, as a society, so preoccupied with money. You know, and now people are starting to realize. At least me personally, I'll just speak personally. I look at how busy I was before this lockdown, and I'm still busier. And I, in a way, I'm busier now. I don't understand it, but I was just going like you would hear that term, the rat race. Like yeah. you're just going from thing to thing to thing. And I'm like, why? Why was I living like this? Why was I not trying to cultivate peace in my life first and foremost? Like why? Like I love the rhythm now of being in town and not on a plane every week. Yeah, I was sleeping in my own bed, cooking home cooked meals instead of going, "Uh oh, I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day. Let me go just grab a quick burrito and eat it by myself." Now I'm going, "What do I want to eat today? What yeah. do I have?" And it's so much cheaper, it's easier. And, and I'm I mean, going, "I don't care about money, man." And I'm eating healthier. Yeah. I, I mean, no, think of how healthy we've been. We've been walking every day and eating home cooked meals. Yeah, I mean, dude, and I make the meals. I mean, you know, I think, and I and I've had this thought before. I think they should teach, they should have a cooking curriculum, first through eighth grade, and they should also teach it from freshman to senior year. Everybody should know how to cook their own food. Yeah. It's, I think you would solve the obesity epidemic if people could make their own food and you made them fall in love with it. For me, cooking is therapy. Yeah, I love doing. I I love getting the ingredients, trying to find the freshest ingredients I can. Yeah, and then I chop it up and measure it out, and I put it in little bowls. Yeah, and then I get ready to cook. I put up some music. It's like it's it to me. So it is it, the best thing. And here's an interesting observation: eighty percent about how you feel about your body and everything all starts with what you put you what you put into your mouth. Yeah, well, you and we've taken that whole industry. And we've turned it over to strangers. Yeah. When you go to a restaurant, you say, do you order stuff? You go, I don't know what they're using. I don't know if they're using free-range chicken. I don't know if they're using organic chicken or free-range eggs or stuff. I don't know what kind of, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if the neighborhood cat wound up on my uh, Who knows? cream of some young guy. I don't well, know. Well, one of the reasons why I started to cook was because there are certain types of food that are readily available in the Philadelphia region. Yeah. Like the comfort food I grew up with. Right. I just couldn't find it here. Or if I found it, it would be expensive, and I go, "This doesn't taste right." Yeah, doesn't you know? It, I I mean, you I know what you're saying. Yeah. So I had to learn how to cook what I like. Yeah. Well, that's the and, and you know and you control the the you know the what you, what goes into it. It's, yeah. You know, it's funny because I love, you know, I'm from Philly, so I love a good cheesesteak. But the best sandwich I've ever had is one of those Portillo's beefs. Oh, they're great from uh, Chicago. I, I love mean, Chicago. like 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 I mean. I love and, Chicago food. I love Chicago people. I love the Chicago yeah, sense of dude, humor. No question about it. One of my favorite. That's really my favorite city in the in the republic. It's great. And uh, 
you know, you can go, but but they used to do uh, Tay Chicago was Joe Montagna's place over here on Victory Boulevard. Yeah. And you go in there and you order a beef. And they were like, eh, it's okay, not the same thing. It's just not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you go, boom. And then there's the, the, the Philly's finest or Philly's finest yeah. over here. In the, close enough to a cheesesteak. Yeah, especially the Burbank location. Yeah, great. the Burbank location is as, as close as you're going to get out here. Yeah. So I don't mind that. And but the you, people there are really nice. Every yeah. time I went in there, they made me feel like a customer. Yeah, really, really cool joint. I, I, I'll go there. I'm telling you, man. Once you, you go, yeah, let's go get a cheesesteak. Sometimes you know you get a you get a like you get a, that feeling from home where you're like, ah, that's what I need. Yeah. As they started to sell the the, the cheesesteak meat at Ralph's, so that's been one of the things I have been cooking during the quarantine. Oh, cheesesteaks. Yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> I love it. What do you do for bread? Um, they have a decent roll at Ralph's, but my go-to if I'm really going to do it right, I'll go to my Italian deli, Domingo's in Encino. Yeah. And they bake their own bread there every day. Yeah. And it's the best Italian bread in L.A. Yeah, you're not going to get better than that. Yeah. No. There's another great Italian joint down here, uh, Monte Carlo Delicatessen. It's a great grocery. Yeah, it's a, the grocery is great. The, 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 they have a nice selection of the, tomatoes yeah, and yeah. olive oils. And it's connected to a, to a little place. It's okay, pretty reasonable. But you know, Have but, I taken you to Domingo's yet? No. We have to go. We got to go to Domingo's. I'm telling you, it would be a great deli in Philly. Yeah. But the fact that it's here is a mir- it's a miracle. Yeah. Like you get their sandwiches and it tastes like home. Yeah. I'm da- I'm down. Dude, we'll do it. You know, when all this uh when we get back to when we can get back to normal and go there and sit and have a meal yeah. like a couple of gentlemen. I hope when we get back to quote unquote normal, I hope the lessons we're learning now, we apply them. That it really is about f- like I'm so grateful for your friendship. And all the people that have kept me going during this lockdown. Yeah, ditto, my friend. Believe me, I, I, these walks, I mean, not only are they they great physically because you get out there, you get moving, but also spiritually. Some of the conversations we've had, I mean, you're you're a believer, I'm a believer, but also uh, mentally, just getting out there and just listening to the birds chirp and walking. And it's such a great neighborhood it's, back It's here. amazing. It's really a great. I mean, like we, we should have been doing that all the time and i'm i'm not going to stop doing me neither i mean as long as i'm home but you're right i mean we are traveling touring professional comedians it's Mm -hmm. literally you land on a sunday or a monday you flip your suitcase you do your laundry you repack and you're back out on wednesday or thursday morning yeah and it goes on and on and on and then when you're in town it's like you're trying to pitch TV shows. You're trying to write movies. Yeah. You're trying to record a podcast. You're going to be a guest in somebody else's podcast. It just you're going to do your stops. social media postings. Oh, you care about the people that need help. So you're going to try to help these people. You got to do your grocery shopping. You got to, and there's no downtime. Yeah. It's, and now I'm going, no, 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 no. Downtime. If I don't take that, I won't have anything to give to the other areas of my life. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. You got to, it's an imperative, and I call it exercising extreme self-care, that I have to take care of me, and I'm not being selfish, No, but I have to take care of my own mental health, number yeah. one, because this quarantine is very, I mean, I'm doing it in solitary, bro. I'm like Andy Dufresne over here. Yeah. I'm in the whole 30 days yeah. with no human contact or whatever, and aside from the walks, which I said were great for my head. But, but also, I mean, you're not just the only one. There's other people going out. So I've reached out to other people. Yeah. I've had conversations. I've done a couple of, uh, you know, FaceTime calls and yeah, stuff great. like that. And so I'm just trying to check on other people that I care about and make sure they're okay and uh, try to make people laugh because it's yeah. what I do, you know. But uh, it's been, uh, 
it's I haven't minded it so much just taking a break mm-hmm. and just being able to like enjoy my fucking apartment. I live in a, a nice, beautiful place. Yeah, I mean, dude, for me, it's like the look the skyline of Philly, bro. Look at that That's right great. there. All right, but uh, but yeah, man, I I just it's it's been a nice kind of reset reset for me and just kind of get you know and and i've already been offered dates and and kind of like the third week in june okay is that with rick and tammy yeah with rick and tammy there in phoenix because they can so guys that's the house of comedy phoenix arizona yeah you will not laugh harder than when you go see my buddy yeah but they're doing social distance seating okay so i think they're only allowing it's a room that seats 250 i think they're only allowing 50 to 75 people in there Mm -hmm. i mean the tables are going to be further apart Mm-hmm. Obviously, people are going to be wearing masks until we get back to the new normal. But you did make a good point last night where you're like, it's sort of like you're doing a mitzvah for somebody. You're doing something good. Like, Dude, I think when this is, I think people are going to want to laugh about this. Me too. I think people are going to need to laugh about me this. Too. I think this has stressed people out. I think people just want to, boy, get back to the lie. Just to like, I think the concerts, I think everything is going to come booming back. So do I. When people feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I'm not talking about a vaccination because, dude, I, you know, I, I, I don't get the flu vaccine every year either. No, but I don't get the flu, and right. I travel on airplanes. Yes, because I sanitize my hands. Because I don't, you know, what I mean, I. Yeah, they're all great lessons, yeah. regardless of a pandemic. No, you know, I, I mean, you know, when you travel on airports, you don't touch stuff like the guardrails. I don't yeah. put my hands on 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 the. I, I put my sleeve down and grab it with my sleeve. I don't really. You know, when you t- after you grab your bags off the plane, I wash my hands. I just Smart. Do, I've just always done that, but I don't. I'm just not a guy who gets sick. I just Good. don't get sick. Knock so, on wood. Knock on wood. You, you <laughs> know what? Thank God. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that as a child. I'm just saying. Yeah. Because I do take my vitamins and I do eat healthy and I do exercise and I try to stay. And so yeah, so you know, I I, I mean, you're. We talked about Zara. Like fifty uh, percent of me. It's kind of scared shitless. I don't know if this is the worst thing. And the other time, I go, yeah, well, that's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, we've been staying home for two months now. Yeah. If you had it, you would know you have it. Right. So can we get back to normal a little bit? I mean, but, yeah. you know, the thing is, you could have it and not know you have it for like two weeks. That's the scary thing about it. Or you could have it and just be asymptomatic the whole run. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know anything. Like, walking around like typhoid Mary. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I don't want to be a carrier You know what I mean? I don't want to, like, if... If I knew I wasn't going to get my parents sick, I would jump on a plane tonight and surprise my mom for Mother's yeah. Day. I don't care what that would cost. Like, yeah. that's one of the lessons I've gotten from this. And I'm trying to evaluate my life where I'm going, I want to be around the people that I love most. Absolutely, bro. Everybody maximize does. my time with them. I can't and wait to go back and have a beer with my brothers. I can't That's wait. what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Yeah. You have five brothers. What do they think of you being a comedian? And if. You could go back to eight-year-old Jimmy. Would they have been like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna be a he's gonna be in showbiz"? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, yeah, because you know, it's funny when I was nine. Yeah, I got a magic kit. Awesome. I got a magic kit, and so I started doing, like, practicing my magic. And, uh-huh. and and when I graduated from that like basic magic kit, it was something I really got good at. I was able to do like little family shows when I was like nine years old. So would you so, put it on for your brothers? Oh, for and your my mom brothers, that, my mom, my aunts, my uncles are coming your up. Grandma, with grandma, you- yeah, and we're doing magic, and we're doing, and I had the little box set up, so it was like a little thing, and I could pull the trick out and do it. <laughs> and uh, and then I would go, and on Monday nights, my brother Bobby was learning to play the drums, and my brother oh. Joey was learning to play guitar. 
So on Monday nights, my mom would drop them off at this music store to take their lessons. And then we had an hour to kill. Mm -hmm. And so three blocks away was the Castor Avenue Magic Shop. And I was like delivering circulars. Castor like, Avenue. Castor Avenue Magic Shop. And I was allowed to buy one trick a week, but it was for money that I saved from delivering circulars and stuff. So I could buy one trick a week, and I had to, like, only one. But on the way out, I would always grab a Robert Orban joke book because it wasn't a magic trick, so I could grab a Robert Orban joke book. So you book. get a little bonus. You're like, Mom, I got the one trick. Right. This isn't technically a trick. No, I'm gonna but it, it was the start of my joke file. Uh-huh. I don't know if people know. Robert Orban was, like, one of these guys who just had, like, he had he wrote, like, full bits. It's still one of my prized collections is my Robert Orban joke book collection. From the 1950s, like 1956, and there's like whole bits. That's great in there, but it's like the one thing I learned is like joke construction in there. Yes, as you started studying it, but also my grandmother would come up with the Reader's Digest. Laughter, laughter is the best medicine. Yes, humor and uniform, and I would go through them and cut them out the pages with a little razor blade, and I started a joke. Now I'm like, I'm not telling you, I'm 11 and 12 and 13. Yeah, I wanted to be fucking Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. I realized early on that that if you were funny, you could get out of trouble. Yeah. You could make your brothers laugh. People wanted you around if you were funny. Teachers would treat you different. Yeah, so it became like a like a like more of a defense mechanism and it was like kind of a, a great thing, but it was but it also fit my personality. Yeah, me too. And so I was doing this magic like Lance Burton. I had doves, I had rap I had the whole You had doves? I had doves. I had an assistant. I could do a levitation. I was like, dude, I was doing like five or six shows a month. <laughs> I was, How? Where were these shows? Like in your living room? Did it start in your living room for the family? Started in the living room for the family. Then, I, as my show grew, I would go down to St. Christopher's Hospital in Philadelphia, oh, wow. as you know, and be able to do shows for the sick kids. Wow. And the reason I did that was because you didn't, they were just delighted that you would come down there and sure. put on a show for the sick kids. Yeah. That is where I fell in love with performing because you realized that you could put smiles on all these kids' faces. And they loved it. And you were a kid yourself. I was a kid myself. How old were you when you started to do those like, children's Like 14, like 13, 14, like right in that area. Yeah. And then all the nurses that worked there would hire me. These uh, African-American nurses from some of these areas in West Philadelphia. That's great. Would hire me to do a church show. Now, I'm like 14, 15, making $300 a pop. No. That's good money now. Yeah, it's good money now. Right. And I have my own business card. And I would go down there, and my old man had to drive me because we were going into West Philly in his beat-up pickup truck. He had his blue beat-up pickup truck. I got the doves in the shoebox with the holes <laughs> on the top. I got this oversized tuxedo in. And I'm dad, just imagining this from your dad's perspective. Here's well, my this old man hardcore knows. Philly homicide detective. Yeah. And he's, his kid is. Yeah. And so my old man was no stage mom. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he's strapped with his 9 millimeter, which he called. <laughs> TLC because this was a rough neighborhood. I mean, we would literally pull by the backstage door, you load in, you leave the truck there, and the old man was there. But it was like it, these were good people in bad neighborhoods. Absolutely. And I would do these shows, and it was set to music. Abracadabra, you know. Steve I want to reach out and, and grab I would you. Do multiplying candles. I would produce doves. I was the people were just go. Oh, this was the like you know you know. Black people love fucking magic, bro. They, yeah. fucking, they freak out over it. So they would love that you were doing all this. Plus, stuff. it's so cute that it's like a 14-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Dude. And, and so 
you know, part of me knew I was going to become like I, I really like when I was like 16, 17 was faced with a decision. Like, was I going to become a professional magician or did I was going to take all that experience? And I just wanted to find a comedy club and start doing stand up comedy. Where was your first open mic? Uh, a place called Comedy Factory Outlet in Philadelphia down off Cherry Street. And then you had to walk down this dark back alley. So what's that like old city? Yeah, no, it's uh, like right up uh, like right off of uh oof, second and uh second and chestnut, maybe. Okay, yeah. Like down there but the the comedy works was down there on, on second and chestnut and, and, and off of Cherry Street, which is off of Chestnut Street. You can make a turn down alley on the second floor was a comedy factory outlet. Wow. Guy named Clay Heary, who was a Philadelphia radio personality. Guy named Denny Johnson. And you'd go there and you'd sign up. And they would draw numbers out How of How old were you? 18, 17, 18. Like I start, I, 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 back then they had the driver's license without yeah. the picture on it. Yep. My, I would use my brother's driver's license so I could go. So I started doing it probably like towards 17, 18. My buddy was, I was, Dude, it was so weird because my date, my, I was I was a senior in high school, and I was I, I started like my job was like trimming the roast beef, like the next roast beef. Yeah. They would put out a big beef under a heat lamp. Yes, and they would order roast beef there, and I would I would start cutting it. But I was that was my job. Like when I was 16, 17, I was literally in Pennsylvania. You have to be eighteen to serve booze. You have to be twenty one to drink it, but eighteen to serve it. Mm-hmm. So I got a job as a bartender. Like I started behind the counter cutting the beef, and worked my this way is like up to a, a corner bartender. bar. Yeah. So you're and, doing that in conjunction with open mics. Yeah, and I was doing, uh, and I was doing magic behind the bar because I would just make like tips. Like one yeah. summer, and and this place called Vinny's Lounge on State Road and Linden Avenue. There, the owner was. I mean, this place was like so popular, bro. You could work there. And make like six hundred dollars in tips, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wow! Like it was like ridiculous. It was like four deep on rush on a, a happy hour. Yeah, people got done. It was incredible, and they had these great beef sandwiches, a great food place, and then a dude built an extension on it. So that summer, I was helping him. I was carrying these ninety-pound cinder blocks. I've done that up at six in the morning, walking down on scaffolding, just delivering these ninety-pound yep, cinder blocks. It's brutal. Bring it just all day long. Run home shower and come back and bartend at night wow and that's all i did the the like the the, the before i came out to los angeles i saved about fifteen thousand dollars wow and i that's was a lot of money for a kid to save yeah yeah but i was but i was i was get i was so focused on what i want to do because i was going to go to la and become a comedian I okay go- and then but what was that thought process why la over new york at what point from your first open mic did you say i'm going to do this professionally it's about like two years in, about two years in, you know, like right towards like right around eighteen. That's like I turn it, getting ready, move into that like night, like the, the summer was the summer I was eighteen and just saved all that money. And about nineteen, I just said like before, like before my nineteenth birthday, I just I had this car. I put some money in to get it all brand new tires, everything. My buddy fixed it up, so it wouldn't break down. And I literally drove across country in like four days. Yeah. Got out here. I had my money. I had a hotel. And like I was driving, <laughs> and and like two weeks after I got out of here, I, I auditioned for Mitzi. I uh, I started my day job, and I, I how found did you it, even know to go to the comedy store? Well, because I was doing research. I mean, I was I was look, I was not, I was just a, a singularly focused on on what it was I wanted to do. The great thing is, you know, it's funny. 
Last time I was back in Philly, my mom and dad swung by and picked me up at the airport. Oh, that's great. And my mom from the back of the seat goes, you just left when you were 18 and you just never came back. Mm. And I was like, mom, you shouldn't be upset at that. You should be happy that that I, you instilled enough confidence and loved me enough to believe that I could go after my dream and go out and do it. Yeah. I said, you know, it took me, uh, you know, a little, but I, you know, I've been doing it for God, man, I, I 30 years as a kid, I started doing something I love to do. I've been able to pay my bills doing it. I've been it's able to go all over the world, China, Israel, all over Europe and, 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 and parts of Mexico and, and, and all over Canada. And so it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny when my mom said that. She said it kind of sad. It broke my heart a little bit. Yeah. But I go, you should be happy, Mom, because, you know, you instilled in me. You loved me enough and instilled enough confidence in me that I could go out and achieve my dream and my goals, which was, which was, was say whatever you want. But, I mean, Jesus, that was able to be able to do that. I mean, you know how tough this is. Yeah. You know how incredibly tough this is. Well, you thought if you, were one, if you, thought you could do this, I was going to go to New York or L.A., yeah. If I go to New York, eventually I'm going to have to go to L.A. anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to have to start over by going to New York. Yeah. Then I have to go over to L.A. and start over to L.A. And I just said, no, let's just go to L.A. Yeah. I'll do whatever it takes to get good enough to be able to make a living doing it. Yeah. And I, I, that's all I cared about. I didn't care about anything else. I was writing jokes every day. I was performing every night. I was working my day job to pay my bills so I could pay my rent and this, that, and the other thing. And I was hanging out at the comedy store on nights I couldn't, you know, and and it was just all, I, but I think it takes that kind of focus to get good enough at this. I mean, Jesus, bro, it was the comedy store. When I was there as a kid, Sam Kinnis and Andrew Dice Clay or Sidney O'Hall, Robin Williams is coming in, or uh, Richard Pryor would pop in, uh, George Carlin was doing sets there. I wow. mean, you could see, like, this was the greatest college for comedy. This was like a college, really. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's Louis Anderson, Gary Shandling, you know, Jeff Cesario, uh, you know, and, and you can learn as much by watching a great comedian as you could by watching a shitty comedian. Yes. You could learn what not to do. Yeah. Where did he miss? And I was like yeah. studying this shit like a science because I wanted to get good at it. I made a decision and that's my only advantage in life is that I knew what I wanted to do with my life and I committed to it early mm -hmm. and I studied it like a science. Like I had my eight favorite comedians. What eight qualities do all these guys have in common? Mm -hmm. Well, they're likable. Yeah, all likable. You can't learn likable. You just have to be likable. Yeah. They're, these guys were like, you know, some of these guys were like human cartoons. They were they were like, you know, like a human cartoon, like Dice yeah. and Sam. They're like dressed in a specific way. And yes. Some guys worked to the top of their intelligence. Other guys did great crowd work. It was all. And I just was taking notes and studying it and working on my own stuff and watching like the guys I love to watch and just. It was a different time, you know, more than it is now. I mean, you know, but I, I loved watching guys like Shandling because he was so smart. His jokes were so smart, you know. Yeah. Mitzi said he was the nicest. Oh, he was great. I remember I was working the, the main room and Gary Shandling was there and he had this joke about uh, his glasses mm -hmm. or his contact lenses being so thick. And da, da, da. I knew he was writing. I could see he's kind of reading off a sheet. He was. And I said, and I went back and said, that's funny, that whole thing about the my contact lenses are so thick. I said, it was maybe a, uh, I thought of a funny line. It's like, my contact lenses are so thick, when I walk down the street at night, cars flashed their high beams at me. <laughs> Which, he goes, oh, that that's great. He goes, 
do you, do you I go, no, I, I thought of it when you know, I was watching your bid. I, I wanted to. And then I, and that was the opening. Wow. And I got to sit there for like 15 minutes and 20 minutes and just ask him some seriously pointed questions. Yeah. I said, now I said, I noticed you write clean, but you also do some dirty stuff. Do you write clean or do, do you write clean? How do you, he goes, well, I write it. If it's funny, I do it. I'm not, it's not you know, a conscious I, decision. Yeah, it's not a conscious thing. I said, that joke you do, he goes, I just bought a, it was like a, a Haley's Comet passes yeah. by Earth once every 75 years ago. I just bought a telescope. Not, not for, because my neighbor, Mrs. Haley, walks to her living room naked once every 75 years. <laughs> you know, but he was like a Gary Shandling joke. But I was like talking to him about that and joke construction. And we do it. We were just getting into it. And Gary was so nice to sit there and talk with me because I was a fucking doorman. And this was Gary fucking Shandling. And he was so nice. And then Louis Anderson goes, okay, class dismissed. <laughs> I goes, like, oh, like, you know, because we, he could tell we were, you know. Yeah. But I mean, then, but, you know, guys like even Louis Anderson would tell you, always work to the top of your intelligence. Paul Mooney would say, look, you know, stand-up comedy should, it, the pacing on it, it should move like a movie, not mm -hmm. like TV. TV moves fast. Movies move slow. Mm, Build your advice. thing. And so it was just. All these little pieces of advice that got shared, even Dice and, and Sam and these guys, they cared about, you know, they would give you great advice and you would just, you know, this one guy named Freddie Asparagus told me something and it took me like years to figure it out. You know, he mm -hmm. said stand-up comedy is one of those art forms you have to disrespect before you can respect it. Hmm. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And what I thought was, like it was about when you stop, go, oh, this will make people laugh or this will make people laugh. You don't, that's not the way you're right. Right. What you do is you, is you make yourself laugh. Yeah. And then hopefully you will strike those chords in the audience to make them laugh. Yeah. So that, so what I thought it was like, you have to give yourself enough, you have to give yourself permission to suck. Yes. Before you can get, before you can become great. I, and I think that's true of, Everything. 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 Math, reading, jujitsu, painting, cooking, yeah. driving a car, yeah. dating, figuring out where. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to dating all of, yeah, it. Have all of it. You have to learn all of it. Well, it's just it's just like life. I mean, that's why it's a great metaphor for life. Is like you're right. You have to, you're not gonna nobody starts great at you, anything. Look, but just be slow and deliberate. You know, slow and steady wins the race, you know. But yeah, but it was, but I learned so much and I was, I was a kid. I was on my own. I was out here at 19. I was, you know, I mean, Mitzi Shore, you know, came at me. I was the runner and thing. I had to drop a little nut butter from time to time. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, the, you know, the story, everybody knows the story, but it was just, <laughs> but it was the place to be, man. It was like the fucking comedy boom of the mid to late eighties. And you had a front row fucking seat, you know, Monday nights. If you thought the Monday nights at the comedy store were fucking like back then damn bro it was it was i mean it was a freak show combined with a circus and it was fucking amazing and to be part of it it was just it was just fucking magical so that's where what was the first time you were in la at the maybe it happened at the comics or maybe not but that first ma magic los angeles moment we were like i am so happy that i had the courage to put myself in this position you know those moments where like 
Because yeah. we grew up very similar. There was yeah. no show business in Philly. I mean, Larry Ferrari would play his working on Sunday morning, <laughs> and that guy was a celebrity. You know Dr. I mean? Shock, bro, on UHF, bro. Right. It's just so different. My parents were teachers. Your dad was a cop. Like we, yeah. Come my from mom was a teacher. People. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a cop. I'll tell you what, though. You know, it's funny because I, I really, uh, the the moment I had when I realized I was no longer an open micer. Okay. On a Monday night, you know, I would leave my day job, j- literally jump, go home, I, maybe shower, or maybe I didn't even shower. I just run from work. I'd go to Natural Fudge on Fountain Avenue, and it was an open mic, and you could sign up, and you could do some spots there. And then you could run over to uh, Monty's Steakhouse in Westwood. I mean, remember one night, me and Noodles stopped by and grabbed Paulie and drove him to his first uh, stand-up gig. Like, Paulie was literally, Paulie Shore was literally trying to do stand-up. His first time, me and Noodles Levenstein drove him to Monty's Steakhouse in Westwood. And then me and Noodles. Was Sammy there? uh, No, Sammy was not there. We just picked him up at his mom's house up on Doheny Drive and took him over there with us and got him signed up. And then... We went down to, I mean, I'm sure he probably did it a couple times, maybe at the store before, but this was like a real. He's working on a one-man show about all this stuff. Yeah, he should. He should. He's had an interesting life. There's no question about it. And, you know, he's built a great career, man. I love love Paulie. I mean, I I was a kid, too, you know, when I saw Paul. But then we would go down to a place called the Alley Cat Bistro in Culver City, Mm -hmm. and you could sign up there, and you could do do like 15, 20 minutes, which we could do. And then we would drive over to the Silver Screen Jazz Room, which was the hotel located right next to the comedy store. They used to do a comedy night in there and music and singing and different stuff. And you could do a legitimate comedy with it with an audience. Yeah. And then um, and then you can make it into the comedy store for a Monday night, Monday night, late night spot. The night I did five spots in one night there were quality spots there were good 15 20 minute spots and you know and i said i'm no longer an open mic and then dude this is coming from a guy like when i first got to la like i was trying to do and people say oh you're a little bit like dice you're a little bit too much like Dice. and then i switched it up and i became i started doing this thing called the humorator comic for the 27th century and i had these little glitter things on my eyelids i take off my glasses and well look i mean it was cute it was funny but it was yeah. fucking not anything you could do you're for, trying to figure it out i'm just trying to figure out man you do 1500 things wrong before you do the right thing or before yeah. you find your voice and even then i didn't find my voice till about nine years in my authentic voice my true self is when after kennison died and i moved to florida and i took a job as a house mc and i was literally doing comedy six nights a week i got to do 30 minutes up front 25 30 up front 15 in between it was just one of those rooms it was a different time back then and then that's when i really found my voice i left la and after sam died it was just tough because sam was a buddy sam kennison as yeah, i'm talking about imagine. he died in 92 and i had met a girl that i really liked a lot and she lived in florida i said let me just take a break from all this shit yeah let me just get down there and really i did i fell back in love with it i was doing it every night and i was having writing meetings with a couple of local comedians and working on my craft and and i just got to do do it so much that it just stripped away all the bullshit and i became my authentic self on stage mm-hmm. and that's when i found my voice and that's what i really truly started to write and, and you know and then i crashed montreal and i did got, got a couple shows in montreal and i had so much success i got a pilot wow. because i crashed montreal in like 96 talk about belief in yourself yeah and then i went back up in 97 and now i got a development deal and i got a development deal in 98 
And wow, I, I was not wow. invited to the festival. I was just doing the comedy works up there, Jimbo's place up there. And, and so it allowed me a second chance. You know what God's greatest blessing is? A second chance. I agree. A second chance. And I, I was like, wow. It got me back in. And I wasn't fucking up. Of course, I was a little bit of a fuck up, but I, but I did. It all worked out in the end. And it's like you know, it's like my knees. I got both my knees done. You saw how I used to walk. I used to walk like yeah. a cripple, but now I got. I, I was able to get my Screen Actors Guild insurance for a year, and I got my knees down. So we're out there walking every day, and it's like you know, how do you say use your knees that you got? Don't sit on your couch like a jackass. Go out and and, and use the knees you got blessed with them. You know, absolutely. So, so it's like you know, appreciate the blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you get second chances in life Absolutely. if you pray for it dude i prayed for it i it happened i you know what i i mean i'm not you know so i i'm looking forward to going out and, and doing a walk after we finish this podcast but it's been an, and, and also in the quarantine i've also been able to think about how truly blessed i am first off for my mother and father and my family but also to be able to do something that i truly genuinely love to do and you know most guys my age in this business would be bitter or jaded fucking pricks i am not i still love what i do i mean i don't have to be fucking jim carrey not everybody wants to be jim carrey nor can everybody be jim carrey that's a tough fucking job you have no yeah. privacy you know like to be able that. to fucking be able to, to be able to make a great living doing something you love to do and still be able to go out and eat without someone coming up and go come on just clip a couple nose hairs so we could tell people we met you, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know because I saw it with Sam. Like, people would just come up, oh, oh, and scream in his face while he's chewing on some noodles. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's great, buddy. Glad you enjoyed his stuff. But, yeah. I mean, you know how people are with that stuff. I just And I don't blame them. It's just such a surreal opportunity for people sometimes to meet somebody they love. Yeah, but, you know, what? I've always find that the best thing is approach me like a human, human being. being. And I'll go, yeah, let's take a picture. I sure, I got you. to meet Bill Murray. Oh, how how great is Bill Murray? Amazing, but like I'm such a fan. Yeah. That like I remember reading that he was like a big fan of politeness and pe when people aren't like, you know, like Yeah, absolutely. Um and it was great. Like long story short, it was me and Ari and a whole group of people, New York City. I had just landed. It's a school night. It's like a Tuesday, but it's probably one o'clock in the morning. Right. And he was checking into a hotel. Everybody else was afraid to approach. Ari and I were like, okay, then I guess you and I are going to be the people that meet him. And I take that step towards Bill Murray and Ari chickened out. So now Bill Murray is right there and I'm invading his personal space and I have no other choice. So I just went, be polite. Yeah. That's it. Just be polite. It's one in the morning. He's checking into a hotel. Yes. He's a normal, and I just said, excuse me, Mr. Mary, and he turned around, and he had stoic face on, like, don't, I'm not, and I just said, excuse me, Mr. Mary, I said, I just wanted to thank you for all the joy you've brought to me and my family, and may God bless you and your family for bringing us that joy, and he smiled, and he went, what is your name, and I went, I'm, I'm Steve, and he goes, Steve, I'm Bill, so nice to meet you, thank you for the kind words, and that was it, and I went, oh, the hair on my arms is still standing up, I'm like, I got to tell somebody why I love them in a very polite way. And, and Bill Murray it. is uh, a national treasure. And you national say that, treasure. but I mean, like as close to like comedic royalty as you can come for a man whose career has spanned 50 fucking years. And it's just, he's just a, 
I, I mean, you know, he plays golf. I'm, I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. I, yeah. I, but not only that, but I, I've seen him uh, with Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. and I, I love that he's a baseball fan. Yeah. He owns a minor league team, and he's just there's so many dimensions. He's got like six kids. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many dimensions to him. He doesn't have an agent. You yeah. have to leave a voicemail. Maybe he'll get back to you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's like he's just like one of these iconic figures that you would go, boy, if I ever met the guy, you go, man, you know what? You know what's funny, bro? I had a similar situation because i was in a motorcycle accident mm-hmm. and i had to wear the cra- the cast on the thing and and my brother came out to visit me and we're like I, I, i'm going to see the doctor more he's going to cut the cast off so yeah. i'm in there with a butter knife cutting off like a steak knife cutting off this cast off my leg and yada yeah i'm starting to work on i'm limping like it's still limping i kind of limped out of and we're staying my brother was staying in a hotel next to the comedy store cool and i come limping out and as I'm kind of getting into the thing, uh, Richard Pryor wow. pulls his Lamborghini in and gets out. It was just timing. Yeah, He was walking, I was walking, and he saw that I was struggling. And he goes, hey, man, how are you doing? You all right? Uh, uh, hey, yeah, I, uh, I, just was a, I was in a motorcycle accident. We just cut the cast off. He goes, oh, I have a motorcycle. I go, yeah, well, you should probably get rid of it because I just realized flesh and bone and steel and concrete don't mix, you know. He goes, yeah, I was going to, I go, you know, and we just had this human moment. And we walked from the front of the hotel over to the comedy store. And it was such a real human connection to one of the greatest freaking comedians ever to touch a fucking microphone. And we walked up and we just kind of. I kind of stopped at the front. He knew I, he could tell I must have been a comedian because I stopped there to talk to somebody. Mm. And he kept walking. And then he stopped. He turned and goes, Hey, man, Richard. I go, Richard, man, Jimmy Schubert. So nice to meet you, man. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. And it was like the coolest human moment. And I don't have a picture of it. Yeah. And I don't, it's just a memory that I have. Correct. And it's one of those things that I, you know, it, like I just would always treasure that. Because I didn't freak out, and you know what? It gave me this thing, this 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 this, this mentality that I have, is that you treat famous people like they're not, and you treat people who aren't famous like they are, and that has been my kind of mantra for interacting with like human beings and stuff like that. It's just especially in a town like this, mm. how you navigate this little this crazy business we call show. And uh, and all this stuff, and so uh, I, I have to tell you, uh, I I treasure your friendship as well. I appreciate you doing the walks with me every day. Uh, I I love doing this podcast. I mean, you mean you could probably talk for days and hours and all the crazy stories and stuff like that. Uh, I just want to remind people they can go to jimmyshubert.com. They can also find me Jimmy Schubert across on Instagram and and, and Twitter and, and all that other stuff and and. Uh, if they want, I mean, by the time this thing comes out, my, my, my album will be available on iTunes and every other digital platform. It's called Zero Tolerance. I'm telling you, man, it's it's really fucking hilarious. And I'm so proud of that album. 
And if people want to, uh, you know what, gift a friend one. If you got somebody who needs Father's to Day's coming up. Father's Day's coming up. Get one for your mom. There's only four F-bombs in it. Yeah. And most, I mean, this is really like a kind of a, a departure of me working to the top of my intelligence. It's some really funny stuff. There's there's a little something for everybody. It goes back and forth. It's it's just it's just a really good album, and I'm proud of it. And I, I thank you for having me on, man. I love you, buddy. I love you too, man. Thank you. And man. let's do this again. I love, like you said, we could do this for hours and hours. <laughs> dude, but, but right now, you, we got to get Lee Syatt moving. I know, but you know, me and you have this, like, dude, we got the Philly connection. But we also got the real human connection. Absolutely. We also are a couple believers. And so I just, man, I, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled, bro. Yeah, because after this, we got to go do six miles, people. Yeah. That's what. You think it's over? We got a podcast. We got to do the walk. We got to save humanity. Buy the album, guys. God bless you, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, buddy. So that's my buddy, Jimmy Schubert. You can go to his website, Jimmy Schubert, S-H-U-B-E-R-T, jimmyschubert.com, J-I-M-M-Y-S-H-U-B-E-R-T.com. His new album is Zero Tolerance. And uh, I'm grateful that I got to do this podcast. I'm grateful that the podcast is up and going again. Yeah, like it must have felt, how did it feel just doing that with like with him? It must have brought you back to like, oh, things in life felt are normal. kind of real. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, yeah, those little moments, I'm really grateful for those. Where you're like, okay, this feels normal. I'm grateful that everyone I know so far is healthy. That's a great one. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, My heart goes out to all the people that are are sick right now. You know, that sucks. I hate being sick. Oh, and I've nothing like like this, but I've had some bronchitis issues. Yeah. Not being able to breathe is the worst. But I'm also grateful for like just everybody who's still like I if I was working a, a like any job that put me in like danger like this I think I probably I probably would have quit dude I I mean I'm amazed at all the people work I mean I I heard the Ralph's I go to more more which is our local super grocery store they there's been another more covid people at the one in Sherman Oaks Oy. employees so yeah no that's uh there's people putting themselves at risk for us that's amazing. Because you hear it a lot with like soldiers and stuff, mm-hmm. and like you, like yeah, like you're like yeah, yeah, they're definitely putting themselves at risk. But even just like doctors normally, mm-hmm. like going to a hospital every day, like that must be scary. Yeah. So thank, thankfully, yeah, thank God, I get to play video games in my house. Stuff. Yeah, man. Any snacks? I'm grateful. Speaking of snacks, I'm grateful that. Brooke the baker, Jason Lucas's wife, is in officially in the baking business. Delicious. And she's making delicious treats. I'm grateful for those treats. I'm grateful that, uh, honestly, I'm grateful that I live in a time that I do. Like, can you imagine if, like, there was no, like, internet? If you were just sitting at home? No, this is all a blessing. Like, things slow down, but I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for the exercise. I'm grateful for the sunshine. It's, It's... it's been okay, man. I, I mean, I will never f- take for granted being able to go get a haircut or go to church or go to the gym or I miss jujitsu. I miss so much, but 
I'm going to appreciate it even more. So it's, it's going to be worth it. Oh, I, I love as as a a nerd with the who's bald. I like people. Everyone's complaining. Oh, I, I I feel so weird without a haircut. I just buzz it. I feel, I feel yeah, you look there. great. I feel normal there. Staying inside with the air conditioning is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> regardless, like I like when, whenever my mom calls me, she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just enjoying the air conditioning. That's all." It's the air. Co- I'm grateful for air conditioning. Isn't it's, it the best? It's the best. Like especially after those walks that you take me on. Yeah, then you come home and you're like, ah. sometimes I'm not gonna lie. Like I always shower, but sometimes I'll have to sit down for a minute before I shower. Yeah, and then I'll just I'll just. How great! Okay, go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm just thinking. I'm just like a cold water. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. You, it's the second one you stole from I lo- me. I, oh, I love a cold water after a hot walk with the AC and like just playing on my phone. It's the greatest. It's it's my zen. Like, I'm so like, much fun. I love it. What else, what else is cool? Like I. I'm 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 rewatching Breaking Bad right now, which is, is that why you're wearing the shirt. I, I I did see it. That's I mean I know Joey doesn't like it because it doesn't it doesn't ring true to him, mm. but for someone who has no meth or drug dealing experience, yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool show. I don't know if I could go back and watch it again. I tried to a couple years ago. It was too dark. It is. It is intense. I'm like I don't want to deal with this. I want to just watch something happy. You know what I've been watching? That cool. is, I mean it's not dark, but it's kind of like, I mean it is dark. But I've been enjoying it. There's a new pro wrestling docu-series on Vice. Nice. And it's called The Dark Side of the Ring. Ooh. And it's just awesome. It's a doc- weekly documentary. And this week they did one on the Road Warriors, which is my favorite tag team of all time. Road Warriors. And like, yeah. And what, what what was like going on behind the scenes? Well, the one guy, um, God rest his soul, Road, Road Warrior Hawk, had a drug problem. But, but what was the saving grace? And I had no idea is that he became, like, a full-on Christian before he died. Nice. And uh, his heart just gave out on him. But it was great. Like, their story is amazing. Like, there's been ones on Bruiser Brody, Manny For I mean, just so much. It's cool. I recommend it to anybody to check out. No, that, 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 I mean, especially going back and seeing, like, I've been watching that Michael Jordan one. And I, I heard was, that's awesome. I still need to see that. I'm a little too young for it. Like, by the time he was getting out of it, I was, like, eight. So I didn't really get to see it. Uh, okay. But it just, it's just cool to see, like, behind the scenes and, like, see and, like, and just get to hear everyone's point of view. But, like, Jordan, yeah, he was, he was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. He, him, and, him and Joey have a lot of similarities. Just, I believe just it. Just, like, like, how intense they can get. But, I mean, you kind of have to. But it, it also shows me, like, there's different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm meant to be like the Michael Jordan of anything. No. Everybody's, <laughs> I, I, I think it's just awesome God's plan that everybody has different talents and desires and skill sets. Like you were talking earlier about nerds. You were like, Steve, you need us. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. What are you going to do when you can't log into it's your, your YouTube. Account? Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. One of the one of the first times I went to, not met him, but like the first time I met Joey or went to his house, I mean. Because we met outside the old haha a few times, mm-hmm. but the first time I went to his house, it was before he had a iPhone, and then like he was behind the times, but not really. It was like iPhone two or three, mm-hmm. and I 
I showed him how to upload a picture to his Twitter on his computer, mm-hmm. and he called me an unadulterated genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it. it. Just made me laugh. Just like something like upload. He's like, you're an unadulterated. I genius. would love to see a documentary on how you and Joey became friends. I think that would be awesome. If I was smart, I would have written like a journal or something. Be great. And I'd love to see a documentary on you and your brother. I think that would be awesome. We're well. I mean, we're not like buddy buddy, but we're not like. We don't fight anymore. Good. So yeah, yeah and, your mom deserves that because your mom's the sweetest like, woman ever. And she, there's something about her guilt. I'm not even going to blame it on the Jews. <laughs> that she'll be like, I'll be like, what do you want for Mother's Day or, or your birthday? I just want you and your brother to. to get along. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's the ultimate mom. Oh, move right and, there. and she says it all the time, and it just it gets you. And today, and like, there's something about I don't know if it's moms in general. But like she, she'll argue a point, and I'll agree with her. But then she'll continue arguing the point because she doesn't think I'm going to do it, which is a lot of times true. Like she, <laughs> oh, like she, she, like she'll just get on me about about anything about it, like about uh, she wants me to 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 redo like like the laundry system I have, and she'll keep bringing it up. Like you need a new hamper. I'm like mom, I don't need. A, I'm 31 years old. I don't need a new hamper right now. God, I do need to go do laundry. I have to do that today. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I've been I've been holding off and having someone come clean my place. And I think I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Because I kinda need it. For sure. My place is turning into like a, a hobbit hole. I'm very grateful that I have a beautiful young lady helping me with that. Oh, that's the best. Mm-hmm. Or even just having a young lady come over so you like have like the the motivation to clean. Yeah. It's the best. And have somebody to have laughs with. Yeah. It's the great it's yeah, I, the best. I mean, obviously things are hard for a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. But when this is over, I'm gonna. I mean, it's not that I wasn't looking to get married, but it's gonna be something on my r- radar more now. To be yeah, like, I'm either gonna important. get married to this one or just join the monastery. There's gonna be no in between anymore. <laughs> yeah, I like. I like. I like. You like. I'm either. I'm either. I'm going one way or the other. Yeah, I'm either locking it down soon and getting married or joining the monastery either way i'm gonna be good do you think uh, i wonder if jews and we like we could be buddies yes like the monastery could be next to the temple or something yeah let's do it that'd be awesome i feel i feel like you could wear the rock the robes yeah i don't even know i just want to have as much peace in my life as possible yeah simplify things take it easy that's that's been one of the lessons of the lockdown where i'm like you know what I don't need to do all this crazy stuff. I, I wake up, exercise, pray, check in on my family and friends, eat, laugh, repeat. That's life. That's it. And it's good. I am I don't know if I told you on the podcast yet, and it's funny because Bert Kreischer's daughter stole it from me, but for my entire life I've wanted a beverage fridge in my in my bedroom. Uh-huh. I don't have I don't I didn't want to put food in there. Uh-huh. But like I, a mini fridge with just different just, assorted drinks, just waters and and like diet cokes and like uh, just I, I I love I'm a big drinker mm-hmm. I'm a, I always have something, and then I hate waking up in the middle of the night and like waking yourself up to go to the fridge, and so I finally I, I broke down and I got like an eighty dollar mini fridge. Oh, that's awesome! And my mom, my, I thought my mom was gonna yell at me, but she was she thought I was hysterical, 
So now I have a little mini fridge in my bedroom and it has like just a perfect little drink set up. It's great. Oh, and it, it's it kind of like you're living in a hotel room. It made me so happy. It is. I would love to live in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. I would. Lo- I would. I could do that. But yeah, dude, like it's it's weird how that little eighty dollar fridge has made like made Brought my entire so much joy. Yeah, just and like just go like I've wanted it honestly for probably over a decade, and I finally just did it. Good for you for finally just uh, yeah getting yourself, yourself something you wanted. You know what? I have been treating myself a little bit. Like you talk about beverages, I went to Domingo's Italian Deli this week. Yeah, and I got to see our buddy Carlo, who's the greatest. He's been going to the hospital feeding the the frontline workers. He asked me if any of the families from Children's Hospital need food. He's going to do that. He's going to get gift cards for some family. Oh, I'm grateful that Regular Hero, the charity I work with now, has a show on Amazon. Check it out. I think episode two just dropped last night. I owe my buddy John McNichol over there a phone call to check in with him. Um, I'm grateful that Mike Black hooked me up with some Star Wars toys for a kid down at the hospital. And my buddy Mark Ellis is going to do that as well. Nice. So there's a lot of good stuff. But getting back to your point of treating yourself. Like, I went to the deli, and I'm like, I'm just going to get a delicious sandwich. And they have these drinks called Manhattan Specials. Have you ever had one of no. those? It's like a ca- it's like an espresso Ooh. soda. It's like uh-huh. double the caffeine, amazingly delicious. And it's like three bucks a bottle or something because you can't get it out here. And I'm like, I deserve this. I'm yeah. going to get myself a treat. That's <laughs> good thing Joey's by- not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I just got dive bombed by a guy. Those, these, these lights. Um, or, there's or no me. lights. There's no lights. There's tons of lights on. Um, <laughs> there's a fly flying around Lee, and it's just so funny that, because I just hear Uncle Joey oh, in my head right now. Oh, yeah. And trust me. I'm sure someone listening to this will get, get it back to them that they were here. But, uh, that, like, that's how I know. Like, that's the level of comfort I want to get to. Is that One of my least favorite things is when, a uh, like, a restaurant restaurant has cans of soda yeah it's gross right i yeah i don't like i'm like I'll just give me a refill but then like i'm always amazed when i see people get like two a second can of soda i'm like you're really living like, 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 like you really and it's like an extra two dollars but i'm like that's how i'll be like you know what i did a couple times that's my version of that what? and i've never done it before in the history of my life but like it's helped with my mental health what i used to go to the supermarket and i wouldn't buy anything unless it was on sale right but then like this quarantine because it's not like I'm ever going out to restaurants and stuff and I'm cooking right. everything at home and if you cook at home it's still just cheap so much cheaper oh yeah but I was I would buy stuff that wouldn't be on sale like my goal was always to try to s- save as much money as possible and I would keep receipts because there were a few times where like maybe I spent 60 bucks but saved 80 and I'm like really? I am the man yeah because I I oh, clip wow. I clip coupons digital coupons oh that's smart and only buy what's on sale but this time, like I'm like, you know what? I need that. I'm getting that. That's good. So yeah, I um, it was something similar to that. Oh, you told me about it, and I, and I just did it. If you're, if you, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, the grocery store that I go to has gas points. Yeah, I filled up for two dollars a gallon. Yeah, it's the best. I did that. I had like a like twenty five dollar tank. It was the best day of my life. Yeah, it's the greatest. <laughs> yeah. So that I'm just happy that, that that happened. Yeah, man. I'm happy for all of us. I'm happy that we're back in the studio. I'm happy that I'm starting to line up a couple more guests. Like my buddy DJ Cooch wants to do an episode. He has a new album out. It's a great name. The legendary Dom Irera said he would do an episode with me. My buddy Jamal said he would do an episode with me. Kern's going to do an episode. So it's awesome. 
I'm just I'm just happy that, that you're okay. I hope everyone listening is okay. Yeah, guys. Um, you're. I'm praying for everybody. We are going to get through this. Uh, at this point, it all seems a little ridiculous to me. Let's open things up. Let's open it up. Roll the dice. Be good to each other. Take care. God bless. And have a great week. Oh, yeah.